Hey all, just a quick note before we get into this episode, we are going to be talking about the anime series Clan Ad, so if you want to understand a little more what we are discussing, or have plans to watch it, I highly suggest seeking it out. It has only two seasons, the original and after story, and is one of my favorite pieces of media ever. With that being said, on to the episode! ございます。私の名前はオーガンです。あなたはアルカナアカイボを聞いています。オタクを深く掘り下げる。私の面白い自殺は3年間日本語のレッスンを受けています。チェルシーさんはどうですかあいゆ、ウェイ、あいゆル
uh, essentially, like, in where, where they took the anime is, like... That explains a lot. They, they have, like, these weird sort of, like, in-between sequences, like, interludes between when people are talking, where they, like, oh, this seems, like, right out of an RPG. And then they have, like, uh, Sugawara comes up, and, and he's in the 2D frame with, like, the text uh, below it in, like, the little, the little frame. And uh, then they have him, like, destroyed by magic or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's so many little that tropes explains like that. so much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess since we're into that, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about some of my favorite parts, but then, yeah, watching it again last night, I kind of just want to talk about one, one specific arc <laughs> with, which is my favorite. It's like five Please. or six episodes, but first we'll get into sort of some of those really funny tropes and some the of Fuku my favorite arc? parts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a really, really good arc. Yeah. So, one of the biggest things that is, like, absolutely a, another anime and, like, gaming, Japanese gaming trope is the, like, achievements unlocked thing that keeps popping up throughout the entire, like, first season. And, like, it'll just be... Like, one of them is the combo kick from Tomoyo... Uh, and so explaining that section, so essentially Sugawara is the best friend of our main character, Tomoya, who, uh, Sugawara is, like, in, they're both sort of delinquents, and they were brought into this school on, like, an athletic sort of scholarship thing, um, uh, but they just get up to hijinks and skip class all the time, and... Uh, Sugawara is, like, an especially sort of problematic character, uh, cause he's just constantly, he's, he's kind of, he's got the ego to back it up, <laughs> the delinquent stuff. Uh, but one thing is he's constantly being, like, beat up by uh, the other sports clubs, like the rugby team and stuff, uh, for, like, getting into trouble, uh, and is getting hit by the, like, he's on the watch list of the, the dorm mother who, like, watches over the boys, uh, sports dorm, and that's where, like, they hang out a lot, and every time that happens, there's something going on in, in that, but he found this one girl who transferred in her sophomore year, uh, and, uh, she was a former delinquent who was, like, pretty fam famous in the area, uh, and yeah, that's Tomoyo, uh, and so she comes in, and on the first time you meet her, there's a biker gang from another school who's trying to just invade the school, and she takes them out in, like, three seconds, and there's this whole, like, slow-motion action sequence where she gets, like, hundreds of kicks on, and then you show the spectator view, and it's, like, three seconds, and the fight's over. So, Sugawara doesn't believe that a girl could be capable of that. So the entire first season, he's trying to, like, out her as... Or, or, like, at least win in a fight with her. And she just kicks the crap out of him every single time. And it's great. <laughs> he, he gets his comeuppance. That's, that's what I'm thinking of. So, but, yeah, like, there's a combo kick that they do where one of these achievements is where... Uh, Tomoyo kicks him like 900 times and shoots him up in the air and then Tomoya, the main character who is always being dragged along 
uh, on his exploits <laughs> uh, sees it coming and he kicks him once and does a juggle and kicks him back to Tomoyo and then she hits it over the 1000 mark in kicks. <laughs> and then it always shows him in like, there's a... I laugh so hard at that. There's a like pixelated uh, square over his face to show that he really got beat up and it's constantly... It's funny because it, it is your like sort of standard, um, like school life anime trope, uh, film, uh, like or or, or TV series, uh, but then like they just really play into that and like it, One Punch like, Man. There's areas that are like super realistic to like okay like this would actually just happen and they're just having a conversation and it's a drama. And then they do these action sequences where it's, like, played way over the top and, like, people are juggled in the air with kicks and, like, uh, Tomoyo is, like, jumping ten feet up in the air. <laughs> and it's just funny, that contrast also, between, like... I also love that yeah. Sunohara bleaches his hair blonde. Mm, yes. So it, it, it's also, it, like, it's hilarious how... Uh, there's that contrast between reality and then those like action really anime sequences and that really plays into um, what they're trying to do with parodying those those tropes rather than being like completely serious and that's like sprinkled all throughout yeah. it's like those very specific areas where it's for a comedic effect man I think the irony was completely lost on me at least for like the first little bit because I was like I, I, I thought it was legit. I thought that they were just, it was just a super tropish anime. I did not realize that they were just trying to parody all of the anime tropes. Mm -hmm. And then after a few episodes, I think I either stopped noticing or they stopped doing it. Mm -hmm. Because I really liked it after that. Yes. I should go back and watch it knowing that it's parody. It's so good. I, I love uh, all the little things they do. Um, and one of the other main like achievement unlock sections... Uh, that I, I really enjoyed was uh, when Tomoya uh, several times throughout the first season is uh, trying to there's this really spacey uh, girl who named Fuko and whenever she like gets into that state you can kind of like just do whatever around her and she won't pop out of it until uh, like much later like she gets out of that like uh, that daisy state and uh, several times throughout the first season, Tomoya is trying to squirt, uh, like, juice or milk up, up her nose while she's in that state, and after several tries, he finally does it, and, uh, then the achievement unlocked, uh, little icon plays, and they play, like, the little, like, video game, uh, like, accomplishment music. <laughs> and he like puts his fist up in the air and it's so great and and then i think it read uh tomia achieved uh fuko mastery <laughs> he finally he finally mastered uh the yeah. art of putting juice I up laugh so hard at that too. yeah so and then yeah like other than that there's like <laughs> i there's just so many little comedic moments. He's constantly pulling pranks. Fuko's on so people. cute because she's always dreaming about starfish too. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna get to that much later. I'm like, oh, I don't know whether I want to get so far into the Fuko arc or not because I really want people to like watch that and experience it. But it is seriously like my favorite sort of 
it's my favorite narrative arc maybe ever yeah guess what i did last night <laughs> okay i just cried for five episodes straight <laughs> you watch all of planet again yeah <laughs> yeah man that like again like the, it's the seventh the, time the is so tragic it's the seventh time i've been through that and i still like ugly cry like it messes me up every single time i need people to to watch this yeah so oh my goodness i i think i cried one time during my watch through of it mm -hmm. i'm just not a crier at tv shows i don't know yeah but fuko <laughs> fuko can make you're definitely cry. a crier at tv I shows cry and at movies everything. though oh my goodness <clears throat> that is one thing like ah. <laughs> uh, like I, I just recently watched uh, Rhea and the Last Dragon, and that made me cry at the end. And it's not even like an especially emotional ending. It's just kind of your standard like everybody gets what they want in the end. And no, I yeah, the tears were flowing. Sometimes things are just too wholesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely a big crier. And actually, this clan ad is kind of what started that. I feel like. Like, I, I didn't really watch any media that, like, would put me in that state uh, before. And, I like, I, I didn't especially, like, feel like I wanted to cry at, at really anything. And then Clanad really got me. And then I, like, sought out stuff that was like, oh, this is going to be a wholesome ending. So, yeah, there's a, a couple more things I want to get into uh, before we get into the, the Foucault arc in the, the second half of the episode. Sprinkled throughout both the seasons, there's this uh, world that has this uh, single girl and she builds a robot body for a uh, some sort of incorporeal being that is, is watching over her. And uh, so within this, it, it's supposed to sort of reflect what Nagisa wants to do as a play uh and w that's one of the major plot points throughout the first season is she wants to get the drama club back up and running uh because it's on hiatus because there aren't enough people who are interested in becoming members uh but she has this idea for a play that is in her head and she really wants to uh to be able to perform it uh, so, but w yeah, within this world, there's that isolated girl and that robot. So, uh, and an interesting contrast in here, again, uh, this is one of those parts where, like, there's, it, it's essentially a comedy in the first season, like a drama comedy, uh, but a large portion of that is sort of these broad outside views, sort of philosophical like really kind of dark uh thoughts that there's supposed to be a reflection of what's happening within the characters lives and and truly like some tragic stuff uh but that what's really cool is how they contrast these scenes from the main anime is the main anime is all sort of in the 2d plane uh like drawn sort of characters uh where in this dream world everything is cg and i'm curious whether you picked up on that oh absolutely i did and yeah. the entire time i was really confused about the dream world or i guess 
girl in the illusory world, illusionary world, mm-hmm. according to the wiki, at least. But the whole time I was really confused about it until the end when they did it as the play. I I just, like, missed the significance of it and was wondering why they kept going to this. The part where they fly away at the end was really depressing, too, I think. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of... I, I don't know if it's supposed to symbolize, like, be it being, like, very depressing. What, what I think... I kind of go back and forth on who is the robot and who is the little girl in this scenario because I think you're supposed to uh you're supposed to feel that Nagisa is thinking that she is the robot and being helped out the entire time and she kind of like says that in the real world too and she's like this frail body and and is constantly being helped by others but what I think uh, on multiple watches is that Tomoya is actually the robot and Nagisa brought him out of that. Because throughout the this show, Tomoya is always sort of uh, presented as this person who just helps everybody else. But then behind the scenes, he has his uh, issues with his father and he got in on to the school on a basketball scholarship, but then now he can't play because he was injured in an accident with his father. And I think he's trying to help all the people he can because he um, like feels that he is helpless himself. So, and he plays it off as sort of this like stoic character and, and delinquent and he's doesn't care what anybody thinks, but then he like goes out of his way to help all the people that he can. So, but what I think is that in those sequences, he is trying to... The the creators of the show are trying to portray him as the uh, little, like, junk robot. And Nagisa pulled him out of that and, and gave him, uh, like, happiness and a life. And, and showed him that there's more, um, like, that he has to look after himself and kind of guided him along the way. That makes sense, too, because of the Great Dango family thing. Like... Mm. Tomoya, Tomoya makes a Dango family for Nagisa at the beginning, so it would it would make sense to like tie it all together with a song at the end and the Dango family at the beginning that Tomoya is the robot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the Dango Daikazoku, the big Dango fa- family. <laughs> yeah. That that's one of my favorite things. That is, um. I don't know if you noticed this too, because they introduce uh, the Dongo theme in the episode before Dongo is actually introduced in the the show. So, but they use the Dongo theme to introduce Nagisa. And that is one of her main themes. So what I think is that um, within that, like she is the family that's sort of drawing everybody in. She's like sort of the root of all of these people that are shown throughout, like, sure, Tomoya, like, sort of interacts and goes and helps everybody, but, uh, like, he wouldn't have found the genius girl in the library if he wasn't looking for, like, stuff for the drama club, uh, and, like, the, the two twin friends, like, he was kind of, like, interactive with them before, but then everybody was sort of drawn in around the central root of her trying to open up the drama club again. So she's kind of that that foundation for this big sort of family of friends that are are coming 
uh, around all of them. And I think that's just really interesting. And I love and, how that ties back to the great Dango family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it, like, there's so many little, like, motifs and stuff that, that tie in everything together. And, but you don't understand it at first until you, like, do a watch through and then look back at it. Because, like, like you wouldn't understand that's the Dongo yeah. theme un unless you had already seen, like, the second and third episodes and, like, where Dongo is, like, plays sort of a more key theme. Um, but, yeah, to, like, introduce, like, right at the beginning of the entire show, Nagisa, the main character, is introduced with the Dongo theme, and then it comes in, like, much later. Um, that sort of, that that makes you think sort of in a different perspective towards, oh, who is this character and what does she do for the plot and for all the other characters within this? Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm definitely going to have to rewatch this. Yes, definitely do. Fuko. Fuko. <laughs> Fuko arc. My <laughs> favorite character. Oh my goodness, I love Fuko. <laughs> Mine too. Oh, she's, she's so, so cute. Good. And her story <laughs> is so cool. Ah. Oh. But I encourage if you haven't, if you haven't seen it at this point, and you're just listening to this because uh, we're we're talking at you, um, go just stop this episode, go watch until like at least episode ten of the first season, <laughs> and oh, it's so good, I love it so much. So you definitely gotta watch it before listening to this part <laughs> actually before this um I, i'm curious what your favorite part of the entire series was like if there's like a little oh, moment or like a gag or something that, that stood favorite, out to you a little moment or a little gag i don't know there were a lot of like really wholesome moments i really liked when um nagisa's friends were trying to get nagisa and tomoya to hook up at the very end oh yes and, like, actually date. I really enjoyed that part. Like, usually I'm not a big fan of romance and TV shows, but it was just so cute. I really wanted them to be together. Mm-hmm. So I have a point about this. I was centered around the Foucault arc. Um, but I will get okay. to that a little bit later. So I want to explain. Uh, Foucault is essentially... Uh, she is a character that... Um, on her sophomore year after the opening ceremony, uh, she uh, was running back to her home and she got hit by a car and is now in a coma. So, and the, her whole plot, you don't know this at first, you kind of unravel it as it goes along. It's like five or six episodes, the Foucault arc. Like she's introduced a little earlier than that, but you don't really get into the character um, until like about halfway through the season. Um, but essentially, uh, she is trying throughout this entire arc to get people to go to her sister's wedding uh, because her sister has told her in her coma that she is getting married um, and she wants her to be happy in this ghost form throughout uh, the school by, um, by inviting all the students that she can. So, but what is happening though is the the sister used to be an art teacher at the school 
and uh, but she hasn't for three years. So nobody within the school has actually had her as a teacher or knows really who she is, except for Nagisa, who is a repeater because she had to skip a bunch of school and repeat a year. Um, but uh, so essentially she's trying to invite people with wooden carved starfish that she takes from the art room, which is again, like symbolic of her sister's position as like the old art teacher. Um, and I, I think it's alluded to that the sister maybe stopped being a teacher so that she could take care of Foucault because it happened right around the same time. But yes, like essentially there's this rumor circulating around the school at like within the first three episodes or something that there's a ghost and that they are giving a cursed item. And that cursed item, it turns out, is the starfish that is supposed to be the invitation. And she loves starfish so much. Um, and yeah, it, like th that, that is a, a, a whole, just, oh, it's so wholesome. <laughs> she just loves starfish. And, and that's what she puts really her in does. the days, what I was talking about earlier. Yeah, I was going to say, I love how she gets, like, in a daze when she's thinking about starfish or carving them or whatever, and they totally prank her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so good. Uh, but it, it's, within the last couple episodes, too, she has, like, sort of a danger spidey sense uh, after being pranked so many times while being in that daze, where she went into it for, like, a total of, like, two or three seconds, and Tomoya starts to get up to go do something, and then she, like, senses danger and goes and hides behind something. <laughs> and it's, oh, it's great. Um, but yeah, like, Yeah, she, she finally figures it out, and that's a great moment, too. She ends up being sort of a, um, a glue for everybody else, too, just like Nagisa sort of is with the drama club, because everybody sort of, uh, she gains more and more attention throughout... Uh, the arc and soon like there's rumors all around the entire school um, of of Foucault and, or not rumors but like that that Foucault is really there and and giving out presents um, and then it like starts to spread into the town too so uh, but yeah like there's uh, at one point Sanai who is um, Nagisa's mother uh, they they run a bakery out of their home, um, and she makes an entire shop full of of starfish pastries, which is great. And like the entire like Nagisa family, like is is carving every single night all these starfish. Um, there's a really cute point where uh, so her friend she's been in a coma for three years now or two or three years, and everybody that she like got to know during the open ceremony is now in their senior years going for exams so one of the big points is um uh she sort of makes up with her friend or like one of the main people who was um at the very beginning of uh like when she went to the opening ceremony she talked with this person and, and was trying to make more friends than she did in middle school so, and she finds her again, gives her a starfish, and there's this whole, like, sort of makeup scene that I won't, uh, spoil too much. Yeah. But, <laughs> essentially, one of the main tragic points is because Foucault is a ghost and, uh, her sister has seen her in the hospital, 
the sister can't actually see Fuko even when she's at the school. So it, uh, and then that sort of begins this cycle where more and more people, uh, she disappears from, uh, like both vision and the memories of everybody she gave starfish to. Um, so there's even like, she had a whole like huge fan club that revolved around her. Um, and like, they all forgot her and really the only person in the end who remembers Fuko is the old man that they, that who remembers her sister taught and, um, and is one of the like teachers and advisors at the school and and he sort of sparks the memory of of everybody in that so and oh one of the that's that's when i cried was when everybody started to forget her mhm so but when they remember they remembered just the day before uh, the sister's wedding, which they did at the school because her sister really wanted to do the wedding at the school and told Fuko that. Um, and that one of the scenes I most ugly cried at, well, I probably, I ugly cried throughout that entire last episode <laughs> of this arc. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but the, the huge thing is when they, like, held Fuko's hands at the wedding, right, when, when she was like disappearing to everybody else and then at the very end she shows up in sort of a, a light spectral form and her sister sees her and sees that she is uh she is cheering her on before uh disappearing to everybody again it, i was so happy when her sister actually saw her Mm-hmm. it's an emotional time <laughs> yeah i'm i'm like choking up just thinking about it <laughs> But yeah, one of the, what I talked about earlier, like you, you were talking about like the friends sort of trying to uh, set them up. And I think Fuko's sister started this by sort of teasing Nagisa. But Fuko really, um, I feel like if the Fuko arc never happened, then the ending of the, the entire show wouldn't have felt like nearly as fulfilling. Yeah. Because without this, it's just like, okay, um, Nagisa and Tomoya just sort of, fall in love trying to get the drama club back together and i'm not sure if they even would have like discovered that or like gone and met all of these people and and formed these close bonds to like get to the point where they could start a relationship yeah i definitely don't think they would have yeah that's where like the fugo arc is where nagisa and tomiya yeah, it, like it, it's where they really start to get close, and it's by Fuko's advice that they actually sort of progress in their relationship by like calling each other by their first names slowly and like taking that next step, and being more familiar with each other, and th- yeah. that they uh, keep thinking of that about about that and and saying, oh, there must I, it feels like there was some force that got us here even after they forget about her because she just her her memory may be gone but everything that she like stood for is like sticking in everybody's memories that is close to her and that was one of the main things at the wedding too her influence lasts for the rest of the the rest of the show beautiful i love fuko but yeah like that that was one of the main things at the wedding as you were thinking everybody was um like had forgotten exactly where these starfish came from and what they were for and who fuko was 
uh, by the end of this and you were thinking that like nobody was going to show up for the sister's wedding besides the people like the small group that they invited but then once you were out of that and uh, Tomoya and Nagisa were the only ones who really remembered Fuko um, you saw that they like you heard there was a commotion outside and then uh, from within that, like, all the people she had given the starfish to were gathered in the courtyard and, and here to, like, they weren't sure exactly what was happening, but they knew something important was happening and and came to uh, congratulate the sister at, at her wedding. I'm so, was... I'm so glad that everybody remembered and showed up, too. I was really worried that it was just going to be a disaster. Mm-hmm. It was so wholesome. They really built that suspense. They had me going. That's, yeah. It again, it's like my favorite little piece of media in those five to six episodes. And and like that's one of the main reasons like I keep watching it over and over again. <laughs> it's like it, it everybody I feel like everybody has sort of that like little piece of media that like a, a book or something or a TV show that they keep coming back to over and over again. And this is like one of the only things that I, I keep doing that with. I've watched it so many times. <laughs> I I think, what is it? It's a good choice. Because I, I think I discovered it in like grade 10 or 11. So it might be that almost every year I've watched this. Whoa. <laughs> but yeah, if you're really worried. Um, sorry, I, was just having a, I was just having a moment there where I realized that grade 10 was like nine years ago now. Yeah, it's insane. Yes, but if anybody's really worried about Fuko and think like maybe she passed on, I did major spoiler warning, but uh, she does pop up for like a cameo. I think in near the end of the second season or something, out of her coma, they weren't sure whether she would um, ever wake up or like when that would happen because her uh, health took a turn for the worse, which is I think a major reason why. She started disappearing to everybody, uh, but then, like, you do see several years later, she came out of her coma and is doing all right. And I'm really glad that they wrapped that up nicely, too. It's, it's so good. But anyways, that was my rant so good. on <laughs> my favorite piece of media, Clan Ad, and <laughs> I really encourage you to, to go watch it multiple times every single year. <laughs> and really get into it. it it's like they do such a great job of weaving every little piece of mystery and narrative together but anyways that is it, that's a huge file for the archives <laughs> that's gonna maybe take up half of a <laughs> file folder how much i ranted at that <laughs> whoops <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Arcana Archives, an exploration into nerddom. If you have any questions or suggestions for future topics or guests, please reach out to us at arcanacollective.archives at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook or Instagram with the username at Arcana Archives. Hope to see you again. 